Hello, podcast number five. I can't believe I've been doing this on a daily basis for the past five days, but here I am, and you know what? I'm having a ton of fun doing this. I've gotten a lot of positive feedback, so here we go. Let's keep it going for as long as I can. In this episode, or this podcast episode, I should say, I want to discuss conditions that happen to women more than men in my field of allergies. So there are conditions specific to women, and there are conditions that women are much more prone to. We talked about hives in the last podcast, and hives actually occur at double the rate in women, uh, peaking around the age of 30 to 50. And no one knows exactly why this is the case, but I mentioned that autoimmunity is a big part of it, and women tend to get more autoimmunity uh, than men as it pertains to thyroid conditions. So... Uh, you know, when I mentioned that people are reacting to their own body, this tends to happen more with women because of the association with autoimmunity. Now, a condition specific to women on a similar vein, which is also an itchy rash, which I didn't mention yesterday because it's not very common, is something called autoimmune progesterone-induced dermatitis. Um, I happen to have a, you know, a fair number of these patients, and it's because I am one of the few allergists that tests for this condition. Usually the typical history is that, you know, if you're someone who has these weird rashes, they get a lot worse one week before your menstrual cycle. It may be the case that you're reacting to your own body's progesterone. Now, this sounds bizarre, but it's, it's common or more common, I should say, than people think it is. People think this is a rare condition, but very rarely it's tested for it. And the reason why this is, is, you know, what we say multifactorial in medicine, many, many causes. But doing progesterone testing is one very annoying uh, because you've got to get a fresh source of synthetic progesterone. And for some reason, a lot of these are mixed in sesame oil and uh, you've got to make dilutions uh, that are proper uh, in a sterile sesame oil fashion. Um, you know, I'm sure, I don't know what it is like in the U.S., but uh, us poor Canadian allergists, we don't get paid a whole lot to do this kind of preparatory work or uh, to do uh, testing. But if you do the testing and it's best done with what we call intradermal or under the skin testing, um, it's pretty good in ruling this out or in. So if you hear or know someone who gets a rash consistently one week before, that happens to be very itchy, one week before their uh, menses, and this is a very real possibility, and it's very consistent. It's not like a one or two off. It's every single month around that time. Now, the treatment for this condition is uh, bizarre and extreme in my view. Uh, So you can uh, essentially take out your tubes physically or chemically. I I don't think anyone is particularly happy with either of those options. Um, I published a case series um, a while ago at the uh, Quad AI meeting, um, that's the American Academy of Allergy, Asthma and Immunology, when we used uh, the drug Zolar, omalizumab, to try to uh, mitigate these reactions. And you know what? It's been a very good option for a lot of patients because they would rather this uh, and the fairly... um, relatively more benign side effects that are associated than having an irreversible procedure for their childbearing. Now, on to more common conditions. Um, There's a particular condition that's way more common in women that affects the nose. This is uh, typically referred to as vasomotor rhinitis or reacting to uh, uh, different triggers 
that are more respiratory irritants. Now, a lot of times I get referred patients for this thinking that it's an allergy. The hallmark feature of this is that it starts later in life and post-menopause or perimenopause is usually when it begins and it gets a lot worse post-menopause. Now, there isn't a whole lot of research done on this. This isn't like heart disease or stroke where, you know, they get billions of dollars to study this phenomena. Um, this is more of a nuisance condition. And like a lot of nuisance conditions, there's very little uh, actual research being done. So there's many theories and there's some evidence to the theories, but it's not a good um, or well-proven mechanism. One of the theories which I happen to, uh, you know, I guess uh, subscribe to is that um, as mucous membrane integrity uh, decreases, um, the membranes in the nose are more exposed and you have this exaggerated neurohormonal reflex uh, causing a lot of more of a predominantly runny nose or rhinorrhea, we call it, and uh, trains of sneezing. Now, the trains of sneezing associated with vasomotor rhinitis tends to throw people off and throw doctors off into thinking it's an allergy. Um, so people try allergy treatments like antihistamines or nose sprays, and they don't tend to work all that well because it's not an allergy. Luckily, there's an old-fashioned nose spray called atrovent or epitropium bromide that's very effective in managing the symptoms of this. So you try to kind of uh, decrease the production of uh, nasal secretions to try to treat this. Now, you may be thinking, well, Dr. Lee's uh, just talking a lot of jargon again, so let me um, tell you more about the symptoms of vasomotor rhinitis because it's, it's very common. Um, I would say um, predominantly most of my patients with this are women. People will complain about being very sensitive to smells, uh, so perfumes, cigarette smoke. They may also be very sensitive to changes in temperature, like going from a cold place in the winter to indoors. It might cause their nose to run a lot. Now, this condition is also associated with another condition called gustatory rhinitis, which means literally uh, the act of eating causing rhinitis. So eating spicy food or thermally hot food may trigger this. Now, some doctors, and I've done this uh, uh, once or twice, will try to use a, a topical estrogen uh, product in the nose to try to uh, make up for some of the estrogen uh, you know, deficiency that may be contributing to this problem. Now, interestingly, this, um, you know, this therapy is something somewhat controversial and some people swear by it. I've had kind of mixed results in my uh, two, the two times I've tried it. So I, I don't do it routinely. I much prefer the uh, symptom management. Now, this condition, um, I mentioned also is associated with gustatory rhinitis. So that's not a new onset of food allergies. It's usually an onset of uh, sneezing or really runny nose. That may also manifest as the post-nasal drip, which is the uh, coughing and <clears throat> that throat clearing that people get when they eat. Uh, so that happens all the time. And some foods trigger this more than others. And of course, alcohol triggers this uh, quite readily as well. The other uh, conditions unique to women, I suppose, there's another condition called uh, uh, PUPS, uh, which is a long, long acronym for essentially a rash that's associated with pregnancy that also happens to be itchy. That condition is um, not that common, but I do see it in uh, pregnant patients. 
And oftentimes I'm asked, what's the safest antihistamine to take to try to control the itchiness from this condition? Um, I'm not sure, and I don't have you know, t- that much time to get into the entire pregnancy safety classification system. But suffice it to say, um, certain antihistamines, uh, like such as cetirizine or Zyrtec in the U.S. or Reactin in Canada, uh, has a fairly good uh, robust safety profile. Uh, the class rating is B. The highest you can get is A, but B is uh, generally thought to be safe. The only way to get an A uh, rating, uh, which is very hard to do now in, uh, in this day and age with ethics and whatnot, um, <laughs> is that you've got to do like a double-blind placebo trial on pregnant women. And just I don't think there are many ethics boards that will approve that kind of approach. Um, now, other conditions that I see uh, more in women are again more autoimmune associated rashes or paniculitis or inflammation of the fat. Uh, I don't know why, but sometimes uh, for some reason that it is more common in women. No one quite understands uh, why, but progesterone or estrogen is thought to play a role in this. Now you may be thinking, uh, can some of this stuff be helped with uh, hormone replacement therapy? I generally don't recommend hormone replacement therapy for some of these uh, age-related and gender-related conditions, and mainly because um, I'm not, uh, first of all, I'm not an OBGYN or an endocrinologist, and two, um, this whole hormone replacement therapy, it kind of flip-flops from uh, every few years into, uh, in terms of recommendation and guidelines. And, uh, and quite frankly, it, that makes me a little bit uncomfortable because I'm not in that field. Uh, and as such, I try, I try to shy away from uh, things that are not out of my expertise. Uh, anyhow, uh, I hope that was helpful and hopefully you got some value out of this one.